This, this is the Our Auto Expert Podcast. Find us on air, online, on mobile, and on your smart speaker. Please subscribe at ourautoexpert.com. Our Auto Expert. Our Auto Expert. Our Auto Expert. Our Auto Expert. Now, here's the host of Our Auto Expert. Our Auto Expert. Nick Miles. Locally created, nationally celebrated from the northwest to the southeast, this is America's Car Radio Show. If it has a throttle, we'll feature it on air, online, on smartphone, or on smart speaker. This is our auto expert, where two million Americans get their automotive news daily. I'm your host, Nick Miles, along with Truck Girl Jen. Uh, a lot of stuff happening in the news today. Factories reopening across the country. Where will those cars be sold? Is there an appetite for Americans to go back and look at buying a car? Now we're starting to come out of COVID-19 and the pandemic at least the first wave are you going to buy a car maybe not but americans are they still buying cars as a group well we'll have some of those insights in today's show we have actual hard facts we have numbers of people that are buying cars and every market is completely different you'll be surprised by some people getting amazing sales and some countries getting amazing sales and others completely tanked below 50% of what they normally expect this time of year. That's one of the things we'll visit. But those big factories around the country reopening to workers going in and manufacturing those cars. Does that mean that uh, we're going to have a glut of cars on the market? Did the secondhand car prices drop amazingly? I didn't see it. Although it was predicted, they're up again at auctions. Prices creeping up for the gently used vehicles out there. And also, we'll talk about some of the new models which might be in your uh, horizon. If you're thinking about a new car anytime in the future, we'll give you the inside skinny on some of those new vehicles, including the brand new uh, Hyundai Venue. We'll talk about the brand new Kia uh, Motors of America, talking about the brand new vehicle that they have coming out called the Seltos. I happen to have one sitting in my driveway right now. We are also can talk about... Uh, A load of other things going on, including some stuff that Nissan are doing around the pandemic. And uh, Tyson Jomini, the vice president of data and analytics at J.D. Power. Yeah, you know them for all of those awards joining us on today's show. Well, Truck Girl Jen, you had a very good drive into the studio today, didn't you? I did. Tell everybody what you drove, Jen. Today is a Supra day. Oh, God. I knew we couldn't get through (laughs) it without you going there. Yeah, I drove the new uh, 2021 Toyota Supra. Uh, There are two versions in 2021. There's a four and a six cylinder out there. Uh, Both of those are at our disposal. Mm -hmm. And so we got to drive both. Well, I have driven both. You drove only the six. Yes. And you're going to drive the four when we leave the studio. So we can talk about the driving dynamics because it's out of embargo. We were supposed to go to Virginia to drive these around the track, but that got canceled due to COVID-19. So Toyota, nicely enough, shoved them on a truck and drove them all the way out to me so I could uh, I could experiment with them. So tell me a little bit about your drive-in. What impressed you? I know you didn't like the headroom. Yeah, that was a little weird. You're what? How tall are you? <laughs> I'm almost five foot. Almost five foot? Yeah. You know you shrink as you get older. Yeah. Um, but you don't feel there was enough headroom in there for you? Well, 
Because I had to have the seat all the way up so I could see over the. <laughs> Gosh. All right. I mean, I have I have friends who've been driving them who are six foot two, and they've not complained. Yeah, no, I'm I'm not complaining. I just I was just making a statement that for somebody so short. Are your eyes really low in your head? What? My question is that. <laughs> That's why you'd have to push the seat up. <laughs> no. The only thing it's missing is a manual transmission. Yeah, but here's the here's I the deal. Love here this car. is the deal. Oh god, here Manual we go. transmissions are a lot of fun to drive, but if you live in a metropolitan area like Chicago, Seattle, Portland, and you have to sit on any freeway for any length of time, it's so painful. Nobody uh, wants to do it. I've done it. Yeah. Well, you're a weirdo anyway. I know. No, nobody wants to do it. Nobody wants to sit in traffic and do it. Absolutely not. So there's manual. Look, Mini uh, is the only company in the United States which sells a decent amount of manuals. The uptake of some mini models are 40% in manuals. But most companies don't even make a manual, and the ones that do make manuals only sell about two, 1% to 3% of their cars in manuals. Right, that's because so the that's newer the generation thing. can't drive a manual. Well, it's great because they can't steal my car either. Right. So that, if I have a manual. So that's the first <laughs> thing. That's the first thing. People don't want to sit in traffic. And mm -hmm. most people that buy new cars live in metropolitan areas. Mm -hmm. Not exclusively, clearly. But most people that drive a lot are in metropolitan areas. Number two, a manual transmission used to have better fuel economy and better driving dynamics. That is not true I, anymore. Ten-speed transmissions, much better fuel economy. Uh, manuals are uh, clunky and difficult. I had a, uh, I, Look, I remember as a kid the first person in my town that got an automatic vehicle. The first person that ever got one. We had, I grew up in England with only manuals. Only manuals. Right. That's what we could drive. Okay, so mine had, what, 382 horsepower? Yes. Yeah, zero to 60, and was it 4.1 seconds? 3.9. 3.9 seconds? Should be able to do it. Mm. So did you manage get, to get I didn't that get fast? To, no, I didn't mm. get to test it. But it handles tremendously around Very the well balanced, right? Yes, you feel almost like you're one with the car. It's almost mm -hmm. like it's the car is, you're a surfer on a wave, but you're almost part of that wave. Right. Four-cylinder is not quite as nice. Really? It had, look, it's a great car. Don't get me wrong. They've improved, they, you know, obviously we have two, a four, and a six now, but they've improved everything so much on this vehicle. But the four-cylinder, which is the poor man's version of the Supra, is, it, it doesn't like to change gears. You know, the gears hold a bit too long for Do my they? liking, even in sport mode. Gears hold a bit too long. Even your paddle shift, it's resistant to mm. changing the, it doesn't feel as well balanced, although there's nothing wrong with it. But there's a little more roll in it. The spring rates are a little different. It's 200 pounds lighter. Obviously, when we put us together, we were probably equal because I'm 200 pounds heavier than you are. <laughs> so, so it was probably about equal. But uh, it, the six-cylinder is definitely going to be the more expensive. We don't have pricing, by the way. We won't have that for a couple of months. The six-cylinder is definitely more, um, more expensive and will be considerably more expensive. But the four is supposed to be – I think they're going to try and get the four down to compete with things – much yeah. smaller. The funny thing Even was... Miata-ish. Yeah, I was going to say, I was wondering if it was a competitor. It might be 35000 or so. The funny thing is, is that big truck pulled out in front of us. Yes. Okay, so I tried to like veer over so that I could see where you were, and that car threw me right back in the lane. <laughs> I was like, yeah, because it, it has all that safety features that say, yeah, well, if you have it turned on, get back in your lane, crazy lady. I know, right? Just anyways. It's like having a parent in the car, grabbing the wheel and pushing you back. 
So you drove the nitro, nitro yellow. Yes, and which is I, the four cylinder. Yeah, and I drove the absolute to see how she zero. The colors. Yeah, you have absolute to do colors. zero. All right, we got more on this to come <laughs> on our auto expert. You're listening to our auto expert. Catch up with previous episodes of the show at our website, ourautoexpert.com. You can hear all the past shows, see our automotive reviews, our videos, inside of car stories, and find out about your next ride. Our Auto Expert is where 2 million Americans get their automotive news daily. You'll find it all at ourautoexpert.com. And, of course, you can listen to previous episodes of the show. You can get them in Apple Podcast or iHeartRadio Podcast or... Podbean or a million other places and you can just subscribe 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 yeah English it seems to be a second language for me today uh, one of the things that I get is a lot of flash notices of automotive manufacturers and doing things you know 18th is uh, when all the factories reopen in the United States for the big three are reopened and for the big three um, we're talking about all of these things that keep happening around COVID-19 and all of the car companies responding to it the things they're doing to help the United States of America and volunteers called Telluriders are delivering nearly a thousand face shields to Morristown Medical Center Atlantic, uh, Atlantic Health Center in Morristown New Jersey uh, they have been doing that. They plan 20,000 additional uh, masks to arrive into the region, delivering all delivered all by the Kia Tellurides and, and volunteers who are doing that out of uh, medical medical facilities in New Jersey, Southern California, and Georgia have been receiving those face shields assembled at the Kia Manufacturing Georgia West Point plant, and uh, the brands is donating 300,000 face shields nationwide to help fight against COVID-19. So that is just one of 20 things that Kia have been doing. And I noticed as these releases come through, and we see these releases come through, that they seem to be doing an awful lot to help people out, even in, in the case of your warranty may be expiring on your car. And what they've done for some of their Kia owners is if your warranty was expiring during COVID-19, they have extended that warranty uh, all the way through what they hope is going to be the end of COVID-19. I think it's uh, in June that warranty goes through. So if your warranty was expiring in March, April, or even May, they're trying to extend those warranties for you to try and give you some coverage. Of course, Kia famous for their 10-year, 100,000-mile warranty. Uh, that's what they were well known for. But they started to offer a lot of other things as well. In the responsive to in response to the shortage of personal protective equipment, the PPE caused by COVID-19 pandemic, the Telluriders have been delivering those masks all over the place. And also they have been uh, delivering initial supplies of around 15,000 face shields to Kia Motors Manufacturing that came out of that Kia Motors Manufacturing facility. So that's kind of a good thing. Uh, they've also donated a million million dollars to um, non-profit partners to assist homeless youth nationwide, including the uh, Covent House and the Stand Up for Kids and Family Promise is something that they have been involved in. The donation with uh, to help homelessness with youth in 50 states that received much needed shelter for those youths and care in an effort to help fight against the spread of COVID-19. We think if 
you know, if you're homeless, you have pretty little in life, and they're trying to make sure that they at least protect the youth from uh, getting COVID-19. Also, they are uh, donating uh, the masks that they had on hand, uh, the N95 masks. They're going to people that needed them because, of course, they don't need them as much as they used to. Uh, They have also uh, done a a bunch of other stuff, including uh, suspended all travel outside of North America and air travel within North America. All employees are working from home. They've suspended all field office travel to... uh, you know, dealers, unless it's absolutely necessary. If you need to buy a new car, you can. But uh, they're trying to restrict the amount of work that they're doing. Uh, They've also been providing hand sanitizer and disinfectant wipes uh, as well. So they've been doing that. Um, The one vehicle that I have right now is the, uh, the, my house is the Seltos. And it's interesting, this is an all-wheel drive vehicle. I went to drive it in Texas. Uh, for the first time. We get sort of a 24-hour, so we would fly in, uh, we'll have a dinner, we'll have a presentation the next day, have a drive, uh, have a dinner that evening, and then fly out the next morning. So it's really probably about four hours to six hours of driving. It's much better when I actually have the car for a week so I can test all the buttons and play with it a lot more. Oftentimes when we're on these ride and drives, these press drives, uh, it's like press junkets if no one's familiar with those. It's hard to get a good picture of what a vehicle is like because you only get a few hours in it. And mm-hmm. I, of course, I'm concentrating a lot of times on doing the radio show and doing the TV segments to make sure that I'm understanding everything completely uh, transparently so I can relay that to the audience and make sure they understand exactly what sort of price they'll be paying, what features they'll be getting, what the capabilities of the vehicle is, how it actually drives, all of those things. So at least it gives you the information when you're shopping for a new vehicle, you have it at your fingertips and you can browse through some of the reports that we've done. You can see the Seltos to me, although it starts in the low 20s, it's not under $20,000. It looks very much, and Kia sort of did this with the Telluride, which is their big three-row, seven-seat, eight-seater, seven-seater vehicle. The Telluride looks very much uh, like an off-road Land Rover sort of jeepish vehicle. Um, that gives me that feeling, that stimulation. The Seltos, which is there, it's, it's sort of a, like a large Kia Soul in a sense too. It looks very, very much like a, a smaller Land Rover as well. They have that sort of bulky off-road feeling. They're raised. Um, they do a really good job of making them them easy to use. Lots of utility. Lots of fold downs. So seats and cubbies and that sort of thing. And then they pack it with a lot of safety equipment as well, which I think is a great idea because a lot of times when you buy a car around the twenty-two thousand dollar range starting price. You usually forego an awful lot of the equipment. Now, this is a 2021 vehicle, the Seltos. And it just won Best Car for Recent College Graduates for 2020. One which is 10. Which is a good choice if you're going to spend 20-something thousand dollars. Mm-hmm. Two-liter uh, or a 1.6-liter turbo uh, four-cylinder engine is the choice of engines. The all-wheel drive with torque vectoring is actually pretty good. We drove through a farm... Um, sort of some off-road farm environments with this vehicle. It did really, really well. Um, it's kind of, it slots between the Soul and the Sportage. Uh, the Sportage is sort of their compact 
SUV and the soul, of course, everyone's familiar with a hamster car. Mm. Now you know what I'm talking <laughs> about, don't you? Uh, it's sort of this modern style. The Seltos is modern style, well-engineered and fairly sophisticated. And it's well-appointed as well. Smart technology is on the inside. Uh, it, it's a good driving experience. I want a bit of a bigger engine. Um, but two liters is going to be honestly fine for most people. Or the 1.6 is quite sporty with the uh, with the turbo attached. Uh, 175 horsepower, which is not bad. And did you notice the lineup today? I have the Seltos, and then we have the Venue, which is sort of a, a step below. Yeah, it's but they're real similar, one. though. I like the do- the colors. Mm, the Venue though does start, I think, in around the eighteen thousand dollar mark. Yeah, so it's this about one's four thousand. Yeah, yeah, it's about four thousand dollars less. I went to Australia to drive the Venue. I know. Um, and then I went to Florida to drive it And again. you got to hug koala bears and kangaroos. and. Do you know kangaroos are blind? That's what you were telling me. Yeah. Nobody knows this. Kangaroos no. are actually, they're almost virtually blind. They also have some other weird things about them. Like kangaroos, uh, when I was in Australia test driving the venue, uh, they took us to Steve Irwin's zoo. Mm-hmm. And we, were, we learned an awful lot about this. Kangaroos can choose the sex of their child. I know, that's what you're telling me. That's so weird. Um, kangaroos, if they're <laughs> nursing two joeys at once, different ages, mm-hmm. they can choose which one gets more milk. That's mean. <laughs> Wait a second, the, the skinny child should get the more milk. Oh, okay, I see how that works. Okay. No, they don't favoritize them because one's prettier than the well, other. Well, I don't know. I'm not a kangaroo. <laughs> um, they're, they're very interesting, very, very interesting Did you creatures. get to, like, carry koala bears all day? No, you. Uh, they only. so koala bears have a bone on their back. Yeah. And you're only allowed to touch them on the bone. You're not allowed to touch them anywhere else. Really? I think they. I think koala bears can... Maybe take a finger off or something. I don't know. Oh. Okay, maybe we should talk about cars again. Anyways, yeah. <laughs> so I like the dual color. Oh, I have the to tell you. I have, I have to tell you, than... driving in Australia, yes. pretty easy since I grew up in England. It's the right. other side of the road. Mm-hmm. The biggest problem I had, every time I wanted to make a turn, I would hit the windshield wipers instead of the signal because <laughs> they're on the opposite <laughs> side. So... Um, and we would watch, I'd watch all these Seltoses come through with, uh, sorry, all, yeah, all, all these venues come through with different journalists from the US driving them. And the windshield, every time we came to a, like, a turn, all the windshield Winter wipers, wipers would go off because everybody in a row would be selecting them right. All right, let's get, let's get and talk about the venue when we come back. All right. You're listening to the Our Auto Expert Podcast. This is Our Auto Expert Show. Our Auto Expert is on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can start a conversation with us. Just ask that question. Direct messages at Our Auto Expert. Our Auto Expert is where 2 million Americans get their automotive news daily. I will say that I'm sorry if we don't get to all of your questions, but uh, we have as many, you know, we try to get through as many as possible and answer them with guests as well. Did you ever collect stamps with Stephen? No. Um, I have stamp books somewhere in mm-hmm. my house, and I think I have probably, I'm thinking they're 40 years old. Do you really? That's awesome. Um, I haven't looked at them. I don't know if there's anything in there worth any money. I'm sure you could find out online now. There's probably some app you can take a picture of a stamp and find out. I mean, used to get, I got some great car stamps. Oh, I bet. I think I got a Penny Black somewhere too, which is from the 1800s. I'm sure there's lots of them, and they're not... There's certain designs that are very rare. We collect coins. Do you? Yeah. I do too. Can I have some? No. Oh. What sort of valuable coins? My, well, my, it started with my dad. Uh-huh. He's a big coin collector. And yeah. then it just kind of, then I started buying some for my son. And then I really don't have a lot. I mean, I have a couple, but I've given most of them to him. So. Uh-huh. Any yeah, valuable ones? 
Kind of, yeah. I want. Yeah. I don't know, like a Ben Franklin 50 cent piece. Wow. Um, I don't know. There's a couple other ones. I don't know because they all live in Virginia. <laughs> my my spouse collects uh, $2 bills. Oh, with the writing? And, and the some, of them, some of them are really rare, like huge ones. Really rare $2 bills. Are they colored? Bills. Some of them, I don't know. I, I don't know much about them. I have a $1 bill that has the blue writing on it, and then I have a $2 bill with the red writing on it. All right. So, to compare. Um, so, so car stamps were one of my yes. things to collect. And interesting, this is this caught my eye. So, uh, Lamborghini, together with uh, Bitstamp, is launching a digital stamp via an app designed to create and collect digital stamps. The first collaboration is dedicated to the Huracane Evo rear-wheel drive Spider, uh, the model Lamborghini unveiled at the beginning of May 2020, followed by the company's reopening after the COVID-19 shutdown. It's, interestingly enough, I, I'm not sure I want an app to collect stamps. I kind of want the physical stamp. Would you make the physical stamp, please? That would be really I good. I agree. I would like but the physical it, stamp. What did you say? Did they say 20,000? They're only doing limited. Yeah, uh, I think it's 20,000. But the weird thing is, is you can resell them. Yeah, so I don't know how that works. Because you're, you're kind of at the mercy of whoever runs the app, aren't you? Yeah. I like real car stamps. I wonder if you could print it out. It's like saying I got a digital car. I know. What good is that to anyone? Mm. Can you post it? I know that stamps are worth a lot more money if they don't have postmarks on them. Right. This um, will never have a postmark. There was the, <laughs> there was the whole um, movie based around that, Charades, where uh, it's a great one. You should watch that movie. Mm, haven't uh, seen it's that. It's great, like from the 50s. And it was all about the value of stamps. It was a great movie. Hmm. I don't want to blow it for you. I'm not going to tell you more about it. Okay. But, um, in, you know, for me, if I, I have to go back through the stamp collection of cars to see if there's any car stamps that are worth any money. And especially, I have some Italian car stamps from probably the 70s, which don't have any sta uh, postmarks on them. I bought them from the post office when they came out. Okay, um, well, let's uh, let's look those up after work. It looks like you fine. You want some of the money? You wouldn't give me any no, coins. No, I just want Like five minutes ago, you weren't giving me any coins, and now you're off I don't, my stamp collection? No, I just want to look them up. You know me. I love to research things. All right. I don't want your stamps. I got my coins. <laughs> I don't want your stamps. <laughs> you disgusting licked stamps that have been used. Somebody's mouth has been on them. I think uh, I have a stamp from uh, my days at camp, you know? I, yeah. And it's probably really old. It's in my drawer. How old? I'm not telling. How old? Like 30 years ago? 40 years ago? 50 years ago? 60 years ago? Come on, I've given you a broad range. You could Thir go for it. 30 maybe? 25. Was it the car stamp? No. no it I was just, I used to send postcards to my parents from camp when I went to camp. Of course you did. Yeah. Every child did. Uh, 20,000 pieces of these uh, digital stamps coming from Lamborghini. Each stamp is a single. Uh, it's a digital object. It has a interesting history and unique is also guaranteed uh, by a blockchain chain blockchain technology that the stamp it can be purchased collected collected restored exactly as a proper stamp see they say proper stamp in there no, it's it not says, a proper stamp it says like a paper stamp oh, i know it does but <laughs> it say proper stamp because i thought it was it's pretty 
I like it. It looks nice. It looks really Want nice. Want the real thing. I'm sorry. Me too. All right, coming up, let's talk about that uh, venue. I went to Australia to drive the Hyundai venue, uh, but then I also went to Florida to drive it as well. Uh, one was the Australian spec, and then the other one was the US spec. I like it. I'm telling you, you're going to spend around $20,000 for a vehicle. It's, I like the fascia. Yeah. Cool. Looks good. Mm-hmm. Coming up on our auto expert. You're listening to our auto expert. Your small speaker can be your radio. Just say, hey, Google, or hey, Alexa, or hey, Siri. Play our auto expert radio show. And all the previous episodes of our podcast will be available. Hours of endless fun while you're in Stay at Home. And I'm Nick Miles, of course, and our auto expert is is 2 million Americans, where 2 million Americans get their automotive news daily. Apparently, I can't speak today. Uh, I, I have a bucket list of places I wanted to visit around the world. And uh, when the opportunity to go to Australia jumped into my lap, um, I thought it was a great idea. Well, I thought it was a great idea until I, I took the trip. It was hard. It's hard going to Australia. Like, like it's really, I was so exhausted. Do you realize that we don't care that you were exhausted? Yeah, no. <laughs> In fact, I took, I had to, I was so sick when I got back because I just exhausted me. And you think that a 12-hour flight is nothing. That was one of three flights just to get where we were going. Yes, but the flight would probably drain. The yes. prize of going to Australia was to drive the new venue from uh, from Hyundai. And joining us on the phone is Michael Ivanoff, senior manager of product planning, to talk about this vehicle. So I know we did a launch in Florida with this as well, uh, but the venue is yep. the number seven in your lineup now for SUVs. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, it is the seventh uh, SUV added to our lineup. The, the SUV lineup is gro- growing a lot in the last couple of years. Um, and also the introduction of, you know, New Palisade, which is at the kind of the top of the of the food chain and size-wise in the lineup. And then Venue fits in uh, more towards the bottom, a uh, little bit smaller than Kona. Uh, but, you know, we kind of position it a little bit differently from Kona. But, yeah, it's, the, the SUV range is definitely growing. Uh, and and reasonably priced too. Uh, before we mm-hmm. sort of even get into it, it starts around the eighteen thousand dollar mark, right? Yeah, with the manual transmission, MSRP before freight um, about seventeen three. Uh, you can add an automatic or an IVT transmission to that, and it tops out at about twenty two. So a lot of content in between there, a lot of you know decision or a lot of choices. Uh, but we try and keep the lineup pretty pretty straightforward and, and and not complex at all. One of the things that's surprising. So you buy a vehicle. A new, a new SUV for let's say eighteen to twenty-two thousand dollars, and you expect to get something that's pretty stripped down. But you made a big effort not to strip this down, didn't you? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, the standard safety equipment, whether it be the forward collision avoidance assist or the lane keeping assist, um, driver attention warning, um, definitely important. As is connectivity. Um, so there's a standard 8-inch display audio with Apple CarPlay and Android Auto. So we really kind of see this or position it more towards maybe a younger buyer, um, but also people who are shopping used cars. Um, we think this is a, a fantastic alternative, being brand new, full warranty, full connectivity, because, uh, you know, electronics these days, three-year-old car, it can be totally outdated. Um, so you can get the best of everything in the in, and with the venue. And the other thing I like about the venue is that a lot of times you get this sort of non-descriptive design, you know, block of wood with a few wavy lines in it. You also made a point of not, not you know, really making the design something that looks different. I have never seen any grill like this on any vehicle mm-hmm. ever. 
Yeah, in the front, it's our cascading grill element or design. Um, it's kind of uh, in all, all of our vehicles. We also have the split headlamps with the turret systems up top and then separately down below. Uh, it's a projector, either head, um, conventional headlights or LED headlights. Um, there's also um, LED daytime running lights, which actually give it a really unique um, signature. But I think the, the venue sits really well on its you know, wheels and tires. It's small, but you know it doesn't look it. Um, the, 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 the term bulldog came up in our research yeah. well before we launched the car. A lot of people saw it. You know, it just has a nice taunt stance to it. The shoulders up front are very masculine. I mean, you have big wheel arches mm-hmm. both in the front and the back and lots of separate mm-hmm. lines. So it sort of breaks the vehicle up and makes it look a, you know, a little bit larger than it actually is. Then add in the separate colored roof and you really sort of get a separation for the eye. Yeah, that, that, that second color roof you're talking about is on our denim edition, and it's, it's an exclusive uh, denim exterior body color, but then we have white accents, uh, so the roof is white, uh, the mirror covers are white, um, there's white accents on the front mirror fascia and also on those wheel arches, so just to kind of give it you know, a unique look outside and inside, because it's got a unique denim interior uh, with unique cloth, and actually the whole dashboard is actually this really dark blue, as is the carpets, um, so it's a really nice place to spend some time. And you gave it this sort of same same lighting structure or similar lighting structure to that of the Palisade with sort of the two different lights on it. Yeah, so that's been kind of, kind of a hallmark for us as well. Um, Kona has that also, so we split it up just to give it a little bit more of a unique, uh, unique look in the front. Um, now, one of the things I think was really great about it is that even though the engine is small and doesn't have a huge amount of horsepower, this vehicle is light enough to, to be able to drive it enthusiastically. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's powered by a 1.6 liter. As I mentioned, you made it to either a, a six-speed manual or our version of a CVT, which we call intelligently variable transmission. But yeah, that combined, you know, 121 horsepower with the, with the low weight and the way the IVT especially uh, responds to the engine, it always seems like it's in kind of the, the, the meat of the torque band, so to speak. So I think, uh, you know, definitely, and we position it more as an urban, you know, crossover. Um, so definitely maneuverable and enough power when you need it to get, you know, to get in and out of traffic. Now, you say you directed this towards much of a younger buyer, but what tends to happen is also empty nesters tend to flock to these vehicles because they're inexpensive and they're uh, usually packed with uh, things that they find maybe the, 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 the low-end luxury brands are not packed with, uh, which is a lot of this tech and a lot of this safety in there. It is, do, you, do you see this vehicle as going to meet many different markets or was it specifically um, aimed at those people getting into vehicles for the first time? Well, I think, yeah, I mean, people getting into the vehicle for the first time, and like I said, if they were shopping a used car, um, but it's kind of a bimodal distribution, and we always we always kind of look at it as life stages. So, yeah, the, you know, maybe out of college, you know, getting your first vehicle, first job, everything, you know, kind of fits into that lifestyle. But then later on, as you say, empty nesters in, in that life stage, um, it's very, it's, you know, easy to maneuver um, the ingress and egress, how you get in and out of the car, since it is a little bit higher than a conventional car or sedan, um, makes that a little bit easier, a little bit higher seating position, good visibility, plenty of cargo space, good fuel economy, um, good performance. I mean, it, it, it definitely, I think, fits both ends of those, of those buyers. Now, it only comes in front wheel drive, is that correct? Yep, that's correct, and that was kind of, you know, on purpose. We could have, you know, early on in development, we talked about all-wheel drive, but all-wheel drive adds cost, it adds weight, so, you know, fuel efficiency would come down. Um, Even if it's, you know, both front and all-wheel drive, there's still weight inherent into the vehicle to accommodate all-wheel drive. 
And we have Kona, and Kona has the all-wheel drive available as well. So we kind of wanted to, another way to differentiate it from Kona was to have it just with front-wheel drive. And then we do have drive modes. We have normal, sport, but then we also have a snow mode, which uses the traction control uh, basically to help maybe start in second gear, allow a little bit more wheel slip to kind of help with uh, inclement conditions to kind of offset the lack of uh, all-wheel drive availability. Now, you preempted my next question because I was going to say, how could you have snow mode in a front-wheel drive? But you you clearly explained that. Jen, you had a question. I did. Would you like to explain the naming convention behind the venue? As far as venue itself? Mm-hmm. Um, well, venue, you know, a place for people, not, not these days, to gather. <laughs> um, but it was, you know, maybe a music venue. It's kind of, it's kind of directed more towards, you know, that younger buyer. Uh, they're familiar with that naming. It, it seemed to kind of fit. I know a lot of other SUVs are, are named after locations. Um, but we thought the more the urban vibe, the younger vibe uh, venue made, made good sense for this, for this application. And yeah, I, like, I like the colors too. They're yeah, bright and all, bold. Always those millennial color choices. Mm-hmm, but exactly. I, I think that's mm-hmm. also great. Uh, you decided also to include some tech that you would probably not see in this vehicle. We talked a little bit about that earlier, but it includes things mm-hmm. like real time traffic if you get that as an option. Yeah, with, with the navigation system, which is available, um, it is available um, uh, real time traffic. And it's actually free of charge. Uh, it comes in uh, via a company name here, H E R E. So you get that. Um, so yeah, a lot of technology. Um, like I said, we want to appeal to that to that younger buyer and that older buyer as well. Um, so whether it be you know, we also have the safety I talked about, but there's also available blind spot collision warning. Um, you know that you know tells you if somebody's in your blind spots. Also rear cross traffic collision warning if you're backing out of a parking spot. You know it'll warn you if something's coming from the side. Um, like I said, the eight inch you know touch screen, whether it be the display audio or the navigation, really large for the segments. Um, Android Auto, Apple CarPlay, just you know, a lot of fun features, a lot of technology. Uh, once again, you wouldn't find necessarily uh, in a used car in this price range. And also, you made it connected as well. So, I, I mean, Hyundai famous for having Amazon Alexa in their vehicles, one of the first mm-hmm. companies to do that. Mm-hmm. But you also put Google Assistant in there now. So you're sort of a bit bipartisan, as it were. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, on Blue Link, Blue Link is our um, connected car service uh, platform. And you can use both um, not only a smartwatch or your smartphone or mobile device. Uh, as you said, you can use Alexa uh, to start the car, set the temperature, uh, also Google Assistant. You know, you can send the address of the nearest Starbucks to my car. Say, okay, here's the address. It'll send it to so me. You get in the car, it'll be there. So you can seamlessly integrate with, with the vehicle from inside the house uh, through both those Google Assistant and uh, Amazon Alexa, which I think for this price range in this category is, is very, very unique. Um, Heads-up display, that's available on the vehicle? Uh, no, heads up is not. Uh, if you move up to Kona, Kona does have heads up availability. All right. So, I mean, I'm going through some of the options in here, though. They're, they are pretty, I mean, the remote start for a start, uh, m- most cars in this segment aren't, uh, aren't offering that sort of thing. Uh, the 1.6 liter engine, is that, uh, is that going to be the final engine? And what's the fuel economy on that? Is it just, well, there's just so one engine, is, right? Yeah, one engine, uh, one engine available, just two transmissions. Um, fuel economy is actually really strong. It's uh, for the IVT. It's 32 combined uh, and 34 highway, 30 on the, in the city. So what I also like to mention is is the range because um, typically with smaller cars, you know they want to be very cautious of weight uh, and, and packaging. So fuel tanks tend to be very small, um, but venue has almost a 12 gallon tank. So with that 
32 combined fuel economy, you can get up to like 380 miles, almost 400 miles on a tank of gas. So I, I think people perceive the, the fuel economy numbers, but they also perceive how often they have to stop for gas. And so if you can get close to, you know, between 350 and 400 miles out of a tank, uh, I think you're doing pretty good with this with this size of vehicle. I often make the drive from Chicago to Milwaukee and then to Indianapolis. And range of cars really make a difference when you do that. I think it's sort of 100 miles to Milwaukee and it's like uh, something like 300-odd miles or 350 miles down to to Indianapolis from Milwaukee. And you notice those vehicles that you have to stop twice to fill up or those vehicles <laughs> that you only have to fill up in once. It, the, the range is becoming a big thing. And it's also sort of a mental thing as well for uh, for buyers because those buyers then feel very much like they're filling up less for gas as well. Yeah, and, and it, obviously fuel, oil prices and fuel prices are, are at all-time lows, but that's, that's usually cyclical, and, and I anticipate that'll, that'll change in the future. But, you know, I, I remember not too long ago, 2009, 2008, you know, and here in California, fuel got to $5 a gallon. And if you're stopping every three days to put gas and it's like $90 to fill up your tank, I mean, that hurts. Um, so the much range you can get, I think, you know, as you say, it is perception, but uh, it helps in the overall ownership experience. I had a Escalade at that time, I can tell you. It really oh, hurt. Ouch. Really <laughs> hurt, yeah. It really did. Yeah. Hey, Michael, listen, thanks for coming to work today. Thanks for uh, telling us all Absolutely. about the, the vehicle, and we look forward to uh, uh, seeing it again on the roads very soon as uh, people are able to go back to dealerships and buy vehicles. The venue, of course, is test drivable, yep. and you can find out more information at uh, Hyundai's website, which is uh, still up uh, despite COVID-19. Websites <laughs> are still there. There's lots of information. Uh, coming up, we're going to talk about sales themselves. How are they doing? J.D. Pound Associates joining us on the show. You're listening to the Our Auto Expert Podcast. Locally created, nationally celebrated from the northwest to the southeast, this is America's Car Radio Show. It has a throttle. We'll feature it on air, online, on smart speaker, on smartphone. This is our auto expert, where two million Americans get their automotive news daily. I'm Nick Miles, your host, along with truck girl Jen. So, although factories are reopening and people producing cars from those factories that are going to dealers, are people buying those vehicles? That's the big question on everybody's mind, and whether they're able to buy a vehicle. Uh, Tyson Jomini is joining us. He is the Vice President of Data and Analytics at JD Power. And he has all those answers, at least I hope you do. You uh, produce a a JD uh, JD Power Automotive Industry Impact Report, uh, I think on a weekly basis. And the first striking thing is uh, the U.S. is down 45%, but that's almost identical to how the world is looking as well, down 45%. Yeah, that's right. And uh, thanks, Nick, and, and thanks, Jen, for having me on. Excited to be here. Um, yeah, that's right. Uh, so for April, the U.S. was off about 45% from, from the previous year, pretty close to what, uh, the, um, uh, what, what the world is doing on average. Um, so you get some Asian markets like uh, China, like Korea, that are doing better, but pretty much everyone else is down, down pretty far. In fact, Western European countries are off 80 percent from from year ago levels yeah that's that's a huge amount of uh, car sales that are just not happening so break it down for us what are we looking for the the changes the forecast how is the outlook so actually things are are going fairly strong uh, particularly in may we're, we're expecting to sell a little bit over 1 million cars at retail in the united states 
um, which which is only going to be off uh, depending on where we come in, but it may be off as, as low as you know fifteen to eighteen percent from forecast. Um, so in, in the U.S., things are are in recovery. We've had six consecutive weeks in a row of of improving automotive conditions in the country. Uh, we're we're still off uh, this past week twenty six percent from forecast, uh, but overall things have been looking up. It did look really bad, especially for some cities like Philadelphia. At some point, I mean, they they were just they weren't far off a hundred percent down. Yeah, I mean, Philadelphia, Pittsburgh, Detroit, New York City. I mean, we're seeing uh, some of the the biggest markets in the country at effectively zero. Of course, they had very strict lockdown procedures in in those places. Um, you know, in most cases, uh, retail sales of automobiles were not even allowed. Um, you couldn't do it online. You can't do it in person. Uh, and only recently did those markets uh, unlock some of those conditions so consumers can at least uh, buy a car remotely now, and, and those markets are doing better. Let's talk about what people are buying if they're venturing to buy a new vehicle during COVID-19. Uh, how does it look for different segments? What's uh, interesting for buyers, and what, I- what are they staying away from? <laughs> well, anything with a pickup truck bed on the back in the United States continues to sell, uh, right. and sell very well. Um, you know, large pickups like F-150 and, and Chevy Silverado and Ram, uh, they are almost spot on what forecast was before the virus. So they have been very resilient markets. And even the next segment down, the Toyota Tacoma, Chevy Colorado, Ford Ranger, uh, that segment also is, is doing very well. Uh, of course, pickup trucks have very uh, outsized incentive offers on them. So you can get a 0% APR for up to 84 months with six months of, of payment deferrals. I mean, that's 90 months of, of 0% financing. That's three quarters of a decade. I mean, longer, longer than marriages last sometimes. <laughs> um, so that, those segments sell very well. Um, SUVs are doing well, too. Um, those also have some pretty substantial incentives on them. I mean, it's, you don't have to look too far to find zero for 72 month APR offers or zero nine for 84 month offers. Um, what's not selling, you know, Nick, what hasn't been selling cars, sedans, hatchbacks, uh, Americans continue to, to not buy those at the same rate we're buying trucks and SUVs. What, uh, what is probably the hardest hit segment? I'm going to guess it's like full size luxury vehicles, but I can't see, you know, when things get tight, uh, super luxury probably doesn't waver that much because those people, their income doesn't change. But the people who are buying maybe verging into the luxury market for the first time or they're, they're, you know, just a few years into the luxury market are probably not venturing out to buy a vehicle. Yeah, that's that's true. And you probably saw recently Ferrari's valuation is is like the size of General Motors these days. Um, so the super high end uh, continues to to be okay. Um, but we are seeing, at least in the U.S., the premium segments have have been off uh, about uh, twice the the rate of of some of these SUV segments. Uh, but that's driven by the fact that most of these big markets, some of which we talked about, certainly New York and, and San Francisco and Los Angeles. Some of the bigger luxury markets have been some of the places that are hardest hit by the virus. And so those have been out of market. So premium premium segments and, and premium nameplates have been getting hit uh, fairly hard. But again, those segments are all starting to come back online pretty quickly. And premium sales are starting to reflect that. Uh, what about the used market? How's that doing? The used market is, is slightly better than, than the new market. Now, we at J.D. Power, we can only see uh, the sales at franchise dealers. So, you know, your, your local Toyota store, 
that sells new cars has a, a very large used operation. So we see those sales, recognizing the used market is very big. Um, those sales, what we see at franchise dealers, those are doing better, uh, several percentage points better now than, than new cars. So we're talking declines of, of the low 20% now, which is not surprising given the, the economic condition. I mean, uh, you know, for, for people that are, are losing their job or, or, or taking income cuts or furloughs, uh, a, a used vehicle is a very good alternative to, to new cars. I mean, particularly, uh, you know, how high quality is now on, on, on new vehicles. And so three years later, that vehicle that's coming off lease or, or somebody had for a short period, it's still a fantastic car and you're getting a great deal on it. All right. Future, how do we look uh, going forward with this? Is there any uh, light at the end of the tunnel? So we're not looking too far into the future because we're uncertain, like like almost everyone else, about, well, is there going to be a second wave? What will economic stimulus do? How are things going to look really in the, in the second half of the year or really like Q4 of 2020? It's really hard to, to even look that far. Right. Um, in the near term, we're actually expecting sales to potentially get back to forecast here uh, by about July. So you think, you know, we, we lost sales so rapidly in, in March and, and right. uh, now April, we've been recovering. We may get right. back to zero off forecast by July. Where right. we go from there? Wow, there's a lot of factors. Tyson, thank you for joining us. He's from G- he is the president of data and analytics at JD Power and Associates. That probably was most informative. I'm going to be all day. My brain is going to have to rest for the rest of the day. Now. I think we need to have you on at least once a month, Tyson. All right, coming up, we're going to talk draw, draw, draw on Nissan. You're listening to Our Auto Expert. Catch up with previous episodes of the show at our website, ourautoexpert.com. You can hear all the past shows, see our automotive videos, and read insider car stories about your next ride. Our Auto Expert is where 2 million Americans get their news daily. Find it all at ourautoexpert.com. So you've been in quarantine. You have been stuck for a while, and you've been doing some... Things to entertain yourself, well, it all starts with a single line, according to Nissan. That's the message from Nissan's global design team as it looks uh, to connect the world's community of artists through a new Draw, Draw, Draw social project. Nissan is offering 23 newly created downloadable coloring pages featuring beloved Nissan classic cars. And Jen, who's all about coloring, wanted mm. to make sure that we included this <laughs> on today's show. So Parol Bajaj is here from uh, Nissan to tell us a little bit about it. Who came up with this idea and uh, is it taking off? Are people enjoying it? Hey, guys, absolutely. So this idea came from our global design team in Yokohama, Japan. And for them, you know, it's a great opportunity for folks to tap into that creativity while you're sitting at home. Um, And so these guys have offered, as you mentioned, 23 downloadable coloring pages and encourage folks to to download those and and spend some time coloring and drawing and let those creative juices flow. So this is our global design team over in Yokohama, a group of guys who were just putting their brains together one day and decided to launch this. And we've got videos and downloadables available on our website. Now, I like this idea. I have attempted with designers in the past to draw cars and get woefully shamed by them because I'm not a a cool car drawer. It's hard to draw cars. So perhaps, but we can all color in, right? 
Absolutely. If, if drawing is not your thing, you can absolutely download the coloring pages and spend some time. I think we can all agree that coloring is somehow very therapeutic and, you know, it's a time to be quiet and to think and to feel creative. Um, but, you know, if you want the opportunity to draw as well, we have some videos um, on our website that talk about design inspirations, where that first line comes from and what you can build out of that one one simple line. So it, we've got we've got all the necessary resources. It's really interesting to me because I once went to a design seminar, a car design seminar, and they showed us just two lines of a car and asked us to guess the, the, the vehicle. And, and of course, I got all the English ones right, like the Range Rover and Jaguar. They, they were pretty easy. But it's interesting how you can recognize a car just by two lines. And somehow these designers who probably do thousands of drawings each week uh, end up you know, designing a vehicle that is so unique and so influential and yet really harkens back to the original design. I can see by looking at you know, some of the design lines from the, the 240Z, I can and sort of recognize it from one or two lines. So these guys are really the best in their field. They absolutely are. And I think, you know, it's, it's unique to every brand, but I think every automotive brand has their own distinct style. And so the minute you put down just two lines of, of a Nissan vehicle, one of our, you know, one of our classic cars, like a GPR, it's immediately recognizable because each, um, each brand has its own personality. Are you tracking what people are downloading the most? Because that would be interesting to see what people are, are downloading and therefore what they sort of what what they were inspired by. I don't have the specifics on what they're what they're downloading, but I do know um, you can download all twenty three at once, and so you know even at home it's a great way to keep your kids entertained, not just the adults. I uh, to, for me when I because I've done this, I've downloaded them and I've looked at them. For me, what gets me, I mean, of course, we all want to color in a GTR and decide exactly how we'd want it to look, but I'm somehow weirdly uh, attracted to the sort of super old ones. My very first car that I ever owned myself was a Datsun 120Y in England with a wagon version. It was sort of sort of the US's five, uh, the UK's 510, as it were. That was the very first car. And I'm always, uh, I had it, mine was orange, but I, and I always thought it was way too bright. I always wanted to, to download it and do it. Unfortunately, I didn't see it here in the downloadables, but the 510 is there, which is a, an incredible classic, the Bluebird SSS 510. Beautiful car. And now you, yeah, now you can put it together and, and design it as well. Plus, it's not just a historical and current vehicles. You have some, uh, some looks at some future vehicles as well. We do. So the Nissan Aria concept, uh, which was actually um, thought of by our head designer, Alfonso Albaisa, um, you know, that he was the creative mind behind the, this vehicle. And so we have um, one of those downloadables on our website as well. In fact, we've got multiples of this one from every angle so that you can kind of see how his brain works as well when he's designing a futuristic vehicle like the Aria. And there's probably plenty to keep the kids going here and designing these vehicles as well. Yes, Jen. What I wanted to ask is, does Ken Lee have a drawing on here? He was the one who did Ken the... Lee? Ken Lee was the one who did the Sentra. Oh, I, I am not I sure don't specifically see it. who has those. 
I don't yeah. see the center. Is the center on here? I see the leaf, the duke. Oh, and the patrol heritage, which is uh, multiple different patrols from the past as well. That's on there. I don't That's, see a center though. I that don't would be either. a good one to add. Yeah. Perhaps there'll be a wave two from Nissan. Maybe. I think the videos yeah. are great too because I'm always thinking of blocking them in with crayon all one color. But I can see from the videos a lot of time people actually do, uh, you know, sort of the faded colors as well. So you can sort of get shadows and light and those sort of things. Now you're inspiring me to go draw um, some of these vehicles <laughs> as well. Um, you have uh, you have a version of the X Trail here, but that's not on sale in the U.S. Is that a is that a vehicle from other markets? That is. So the uh, we have several vehicles on here from other markets, and then we've also got some of our historical vehicles as well, some of our heritage concepts, and, and then as you mentioned, we've got the Aria, which is a which is one of our um, most recent designs on here as well. I find one of the things too that uh, a lot of times I, I like to color in is the interiors because, and I see you do have an interior of a Duke as well. Uh, the the trouble with a lot of times is I always don't want black on black, which everybody seems to put on the inside of their cars. I like to do. Uh, fancy red seating and uh, no dark carpets because I have five dogs but at the same time I like the idea that you, when the exterior of the Duke came out you did do some special uh, versions of the Duke which sort of had yellow accents and I feel very much like it should have had a yellow steering wheel so that's what I'm going to be coloring during the next break as well doing and that. did you see the last page is completely blank just so you can draw your own car yeah well we absolutely uh, I've already been berated the first thing I learned about drawing a car is you have to put the road in first because the car can't floating air so when i drew my very first car the designer who i was driving it happened to be ian callum who used to be at jaguar he's retired now but he turned around and said where's the road you can't have a car that floats in the middle of the air was like, why not you just put wings on it uh, <laughs> apparently i'm aren't, a aren't flying cars the cars of the future <laughs> see exactly. see i should have had you guys backing me up i gotta smacked it right back at him uh I, now i'm also uh, intrigued about the i am uh, i am q and the i am uh, concept that as well looks like a fun vehicle to drive all right uh, to, to to color in uh tell us a little bit about this uh parole where you can actually go and download these from Absolutely. You can visit NissanNews.com, and, and I think you guys have given me some fantastic homework to do, um, <laughs> getting you a Datsun and a Sentra added to our site, and maybe even a, a few uh, more interior shots of the Duke. Yeah, I want to get some more interior stuff too. Oh, there's a Figaro in there. I, I wanna, know. I want to color cool? that in. Yeah. That needs to be like a sky blue, don't you think? Yeah. Yes. I'm going to do that right now. Sky <laughs> blue. That would be perfect. Oh, maybe you'll get some ideas of special editions to do as well, too. So. Absolutely. Definitely. I'm glad we're doing this call because it's helping me to have some homework for our design team Monday. <laughs> and uh, Peron, guess what? No charge. It's all yeah. free from our side. <laughs> we should so have you back. That, 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 you that, back that, the best consultant. <laughs> that's our contribution to COVID. All right. Uh, thanks for joining us. And uh, if you want to download those uh, for the draw, 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 you can just search the hashtag draw, 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 and you'll probably find something online. But if you go to uh, nissannews.com, uh, you can search through the releases there. You can find all all of those videos and those uh, blank drawings of just the the uh, black line drawings of some of those Nissan cars. Then you can get break out your favorite coloring box, which you haven't had out for a while. My mom's a color expert, by the way. Every time I color paint a car, she goes, oh, yes, you're feeling like this because you did that color. I'm like, shut up, mom. Stop analyzing it. <laughs> Mine would be all black with, like, red stitching, and that would be it. Of course it would. And probably a truck, too. More to come yes. on our auto expert standby. Here we go. You're listening to the R Auto Expert Podcast. 
This is our auto expert, the radio show in Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. You can start a conversation with us. Uh, just ask a car question. Use direct messenger. We'll try and get to as many of them as we can. We try and answer as many of your questions as possible with guests. It is where 2 million Americans get their automotive news daily, our auto expert. Joining us on the phone is our independent analyst and advisor. He's an investor. His name is Anton Woolman. You can uh, read majority of his stuff at thestreetandseekingalpha.com. Uh, so uh, let's talk about the auto industry returning to work. I was just looking at, and I'm not sure how reliable this is, but uh, Statista, uh, which shows that the auto industry employs somewhere around just uh, maybe 600,000 uh, uh, 614,000 manufacturing jobs for the automotive industry and around uh, 1.73 million uh, dealer jobs in the United States. With the auto manufacturers going back to work this week, does that show any relief? And those cars that they're making, Anton, do you think there's going to be buyers available for them? So there are a couple of ships passing in the night here, Nick, and everything, as they say, is relative. So we had an enormous slump that started right in the midpoint of March and kept the industry dead for certainly about 30 days. And then in the second half of April, we started seeing some of these auto dealerships who were not used to selling cars online and completing the transaction completely paperless or almost paperless or touchless or peopleless or however you want to describe it. They started get, getting their butts in gear and started figuring out how to move forward. And of course, the initial shock uh, among people who were really needed to go out and buy a new car of some sort also started waning. So at the very end of August, we started seeing some life coming back. And now in the first half of May, ranging from J.D. Powers to other observers, it's very clear that sales are starting to return. And so from very, very low levels, we're definitely seeing a comeback. But that doesn't mean that we are anywhere near the highs of the market as we saw it through the beginning of the month of March. So yes, we are definitely back from the worst. No, we are nowhere near back to where we would possibly say that all of the damage that has been caused is back into full uh, repair mode. Is there going to be uh, this sort of sway of the market? I mean, if people aren't buying cars, they're not willing to buy cars, they're sheepish about buying cars. Do you think that those people uh, not buying cars will eventually push a glut into the market? Because if we go back to the same levels of manufacturing, which I presume is the goal at some point, is there going to be more cars than can be sold? Well, I think, uh, first of all, I think the biggest effect here, in the very beginning, we were talking about uh, logistical problems on both on the part of the manufacturers to produce cars and on behalf of the consumers in terms of either daring or wanting to or being shocked in general or just not being able to go to a place and buy a car they were used to buying a car. So we had all sorts of friction that started occurring for the first 30 to 45 days of this uh, unique uh, moment in history. And now we're getting into what was going to be the lasting damage of this unique moment in history, which is the sheer wealth effect of a lot of people being out of work or and in many cases, just people having lost their businesses. You have a lot of small and medium and, for that matter, large business owners who uh, who simply have lost their businesses. And you can imagine that all other things equal, 
that is not going to make them likely to go out and buy a new car. So there are certain people that are simply going to disappear from the car market for a while because they just can't afford it or otherwise find it highly imprudent to go out and buy a new car. So I don't think, first of all, that the automakers are going to return to the previous production level, other than, of course, in a few selected cases, like pickup trucks, for example, are returning to almost pre-depression levels soon enough. But regular sedans, regular hatchbacks, regular plain vanilla crossovers, uh, not so much. Can we agree on one thing, that the market is changed forever? Well, I think it has changed to some degree for at least some period of time. And I think that a lot of these car dealers that were run by very old-fashioned conservative people who really never took online sales seriously, uh, at this point they were taught a very quick lesson uh, in the format of uh, if you don't sell cars online and touchless, you're not selling cars at all. So that thing has changed and it will change forever. I'm not sure that there's much else that really has changed forever other than the sheer economic impact that this has on a lot of people that lost their jobs, lost their businesses, or otherwise saw their net worth uh, decline in real terms. And parts still ready and available? Parts should not be a problem. I mean, obviously, we've had some manufacturing disruptions in the short term, but uh, those are very short term indeed. uh, So I don't think that will be a lasting problem. Anton Wallman is with us. He's an independent analyst and investor. Uh, You can read his stuff at Seeking Alpha or The Street. We'll be back with him to ask some very poignant questions next. You're listening to Our Auto Expert. Your smart speaker can be your radio. Just say, hey, Google, hey, Alexa, or hey, Siri, play our auto expert radio show. And all the previous episodes of the show, the podcasts are available. There she goes. Uh, Hours of endless fun for you and the family. I'm Nick Miles, and this is our auto expert show where 2 million Americans get their automotive news daily. All right, Anton Wallman is with us. He's an independent analyst and investor, and you can read most of his stuff at Seeking Alpha or The Street. So, Anton, this threat by um, Elon Musk to take Tesla out of California. It wasn't just, it seems, an empty promise or an idle threat. It looks like there is more to this than just words. Yeah, so we already knew that he was talking to um, some entities in the state of Texas. Uh, So that was already known to us. That was known before this latest turn of events over the last three or so weeks. But now we have uh, new information from multiple sources that suggest that, on the one hand, uh, they are strongly considering Austin, Texas, as uh, top choice, as well as someplace in Oklahoma. So uh, it, there, it's clear that they are narrowing this thing down to some degree and are very serious about negotiating a deal with um, whatever the state and local governments uh, can do to uh, uh, ensure that they can build such a factory as soon as possible. And it should be noted that uh, it's more than just this pickup truck factory that everybody was talking about as little as a month ago. It is a factory that would be able to produce any kind of vehicle that Tesla intends to produce, both existing models and future models, as well as their entire corporate headquarters. So think about Toyota moving from uh, the Los Angeles area to the Dallas area a handful of years ago, something equivalent to that and much, much more. So the reality is they're talking, they're looking. How does California, you think, going to respond to this? 
Um, I think they will spawn in a manner similar to when Nissan and Toyota left their uh, state as headquarters and as previous automotive factories left them uh, starting already in the 1960s and at an accelerated pace throughout the 1980s. Uh, They, in the end, didn't do a thing. Uh, They basically are oblivious to the fact that their uh, business environment is uh, deteriorating and they... uh, basically say, well, if you don't like the way we do it, then uh, you can uh, feel free to leave. So uh, there will be some, uh, they will essentially blame the victim here. They will say, look, uh, you didn't like the way we treated you, get out of here. Uh, They're not looking at this in an introspective way and saying, what did we do wrong? Did we do something here to cause this divorce that they actually left us, leaving all of these billions of dollars in property, plants, and equipment left on the ground that in an ideal world they could have continued to cultivate and improve and refine? No, they, that is not the pattern that we have seen thus far. So I expect to see a big zero from California on this other than basically saying that uh, the victim here, Tesla, is to blame for what occurred. They, uh, the, some of the workers at the factory in Northern California seem to be very upset about this because they've, uh, they've been very vocal, but we haven't really heard it from anyone else, and we haven't heard from anything from te- uh, Texas or Oklahoma about welcoming uh, them. So obviously the negotiations are still hot and heavy. That's right. So clearly you're going to find, I mean, in, in the Tesla employees, over 10,000 people uh, in Northern California alone, and uh, you know, the way it works here is the way it's going to work with all these other moves that have happened in, in history, and that is that some workers are going to say that, oh, wow, this is great. I was thinking about leaving the state anyway. Now I can do it with an employer that I'm used to. So they couldn't be more thrilled to leave to some combination of Nevada, Oklahoma, Texas, or whatever. Uh, other workers will say, well, I've got my old family here. I love it here. Uh, I've got my uh, whatever in-laws here and everything else. I love the climate. I love this. I love that. They have no intention of moving no matter what, and they're going to be very unhappy because they may have been happy with working for Tesla where they were. And then there are going to be a lot of people somewhere in between who will say, well, um, maybe I should consider this. It was not in my game plan, but maybe I should consider doing it. So uh, you're going to find people all over the map in terms of being favor of uh, this move as well as being very much opposed to it. I actually uh, have been to Plano. I've been to Toyota's headquarters, and I think that's uh, it's it's very interesting. It's a brand new building. It's lo- there's lots of space out there, but I think um, areas like Plano, cities like Plano in Texas, are really, I guess, ramping up the offerings to a company like Toyota to bring all of their workers and all of the people in, and the amount of buildings that going up there, the new malls, the new streets, the new shopping complexes, the new houses, are immense. And uh, this, of course, uh, increases the amount of tax they can uh, charge people to be in those cities and therefore can increase the amount of size of the city, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So do you think Texas and Oklahoma are putting uh, not-to-be-missed deals on the map to attract companies like Tesla? Oh, I know for a fact that both uh, county, town, city, and the state government itself of Texas, they're all putting the big sell on the Tesla to move there. There's, They're going to put together... Uh, whatever business-friendly um, um, type of incentive uh, uh, that they can that they can all do in order to make this happen. What they may not do, however, is to put together a general electric car purchase incentive or allow Tesla to sell cars directly. You may recall that 
the franchise laws in Texas are very, very strict and uh, that they have been interpreted in the strictest manner possible. So Tesla cannot sell cars through their traditional sales model inside of Texas. And also Texas has really no uh, significant statewide electric car purchase incentives. I would not expect those things to change. While at the same time, I would expect Texas and the various local entities inside Texas, whether it be Travis County or any of the other major counties there, to roll out the red carpet in terms of the factory production incentives so that they view this almost like an export factory more than one that will benefit the consumers of Texas per se. Now, I know it takes about three to five years from inception to building a factory. Uh, how long do you think this deal is going to take to put together? When, when can we see an announcement? Is it going to be months? Is it going to be years? What are we sort of looking at as a timeline to when we might get a decision? Well, Elon Musk sees three to five years, and he says that's roughly the time when my grandchildren are about to expire. <laughs> so there's not, going to be any, there's not going to be any three to five year thing here, I can tell you that. He's going to put a big target saying, look, this is going to be finished in approximately 12 months from when they start. And he is going to have a deal, I think, within weeks from now. So expect a decision within the approximate one month time frame from now. And I think that they're going to put some really ambitious construction target on there that will be not too far from the one year mark. So it'll be an absolute world record, at least inside the borders of the United States in terms of the speed by which they intend to uh, erect this factory. Whether this will be achieved in the end or not, or, or it will be achieved by hook or by crook, they will at least make the claim at inception and then uh, hopefully uh, not miss it by too much. All right, let's talk about this as far as electric cars are concerned. You know, 45% down on original uh, in, uh, predictions of what the market would look like. And now uh, these sort of electric cars are suffering maybe slightly more than the gasoline vehicles. Does that mean that you'll see some overall uh, lowering of electrified car mandates in the United States? Is that going to be a result? Or how are we looking with what what? these guys have to produce. I mean, they had targets of what the government wanted to, to, to produce. We know that uh, the current government is not a huge supporter of electric cars and some of those incentives, but are they going to adjust them, take this opportunity of COVID-19 to change some of these things? I think the geographic area where you need to keep your focus on this particular issue is going to be Europe, the one-third of the world, which is Europe. And that is because in Europe, we have a uniquely stringent mandate that took into effect here January 1st of 2020. And when uh, all the chickens are counted at the end of the calendar year 2020, there are some enormous fines that are going to hit the automakers if they cannot meet them. And in Europe, you have a few particularly uh, difficult targets in this regard. You have the Volkswagen group, you have the Fiat uh, Chrysler Group, you have the you have Renault, you have Peugeot, you have BMW, Daimler, Jaguar, Land Rover, and to some extent Volvo, which is owned by Gilu, the Chinese. And I think that the European politicians who are facing enormous layoffs as a result of these automakers losing tremendous amounts of money already in 2020 at an accelerated pace, well beyond what they had thought going into the virus situations that started about two months ago. I think that faced with such enormous incremental layoffs, 
I think that's where we can look at the potential for a loosening of these requirements for calendar year 2020. They'll probably phrase it in a way in which they would say, look, the requirements will remain in, in principle, except we will just push out the timeline. So whereas you need to meet them by the end of the calendar year 2020, maybe we'll say, oh, mid-2021. And then they will uh, revisit this uh, as we exit this calendar year. So I think that that is the most likely scenario of what would happen here because the economic damage that's being done to these automakers and the amount of layoffs that they would have to um, execute upon in Europe uh, are going to be a major political issue with all these incremental layoffs. Uh, Volkswagen start pre-production of their ID4. This is the electric vehicle that is coming to the United States or the one that isn't coming? That is the one that's coming to the United States. So what's going to happen here is that the ID3 already started production last November, but no consumer deliveries have taken place yet. They were still developing the software, and the deliveries are supposed to take place here starting at the end of July and then uh, move throughout Europe basically over a 45- to 60-day period between late July through late September for the ID3. Meanwhile, they're starting production of the ID4, which is the crossover version. You think of it as like the VW Tiguan, whereas the ID3 is basically the Golf. And in the beginning, for the first couple of months, they will sell this ID4 in Europe. And then in November, they'll start putting them on the boats to the United States, where the on-sale date is likely to be late February of 2021. And that will run that way for about a year or so until the factory in Tennessee starts uh, stamping out these ID4s with a different type of battery uh, in the spring of 2022. So we will be getting the cars for the first 12 or so months from the factory in Germany uh, before we start getting them from the factory in Tennessee. But in the meantime, this is going to be a center of market product that Really, if you look at the mass market impact of electric cars, the Volkswagen ID3 and the ID4 are really the bullseye of what uh, could lead the electric car transformation as we will come to know it for the next decade. And of course, from the same platform, we will have a Fiat model, which will be sold in Europe, a Skoda model, which will also be sold in Europe, and an Audi Q4 e-tron model, which will be sold in Europe and globally. And we will be getting all of that production into the United States from the factory in Germany, not just temporarily, but probably for more than a year or two before uh, you know, Audi will possibly produce it somewhere else and export it to the U.S. Because, as you know, Audi does not have a factory in the United States as of today. All right. Anton Wallman is an independent investor and an analyst. Uh, Anton's staff can be read at, read at Seeking Alpha or The Street. Uh, probably one of the most informed guys I have ever met in my life. He's a very intelligent gentleman. Our Auto Expert, the uh, radio program, is available to download at ourautoexpert.com. You can read all the uh, recent reviews. If you go to the website right now, you can also see videos. And you can see truck girl Jen on there. She is on the front page uh, where she took a ride in the BMW X5M and uh, well she didn't throw up but it wasn't far away uh, it was a little bit cool to her plus all of our uh, around the country uh, visits with local TV stations where we look at markets and what's going on everywhere from Salt Lake to Indianapolis to Milwaukee uh, you can see all of our analysis of how car sales are doing and some reviews on how to pick the best car seat and the 2021 Kia Seltos. It's all at Our Auto Expert. We'll be back again next week. You've been listening to Our Auto Expert with Nick Mile. Find all the show episodes at ourautoexpert.com. Please follow us on all social media, Twitter, 
Facebook and Instagram at Our Auto Expert and message us for a quick and witty response. 